You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is Friday, right around 11.30. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. Uh, we've got a lot of questions that came in on Twitter, so we'll get into those. It's the off season for the Cavs. Making a few moves now that LeBron is gone. But Joe, buddy, it has been a long time since we've done one of these podcasts. And I feel like a lot has happened with this team, to be honest. Yeah, Um you know, they, they adopted a, a new face to the franchise there with, yeah. uh, with Kevin Love, which um, four years ago or three years ago, uh, I don't think anybody would have envisioned that of the big three still standing now that he would be the one. Uh, right. I think we all would have said probably LeBron with um, a small chance for Kyrie there. So, you know, we can we can dive into that. Um you know, uh, David uh, Nwaba is going to be joining us uh, mm-hmm. in Cleveland. So there's that. And um, and Channing Fry coming back into the fold, which uh, I'm sure fans are, are, are very happy about. So so you have all that, and, and I don't think they're, they're quite done. Um, you know, there's some more uh, moves to make before training camp convenes there at the end of September. And um, – in the meantime, we let's just hope we can all kind of lay low and, and get our legs under us. I mean, it's been, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think, I mean, even even the Warriors writers um, and, and the Warriors team hasn't been quite through what we all have been through here in the greater Cavs family <laughs> these last four years, just in terms of, of drama and, and roster shakeups and, and, of course, getting to the top there with the in 2016 and then the falling short in the other years. And um, so, yeah, I think that, that everybody should take these next two months to really kind of breathe and, and regroup after, after this crazy ride. And you actually, believe it or not, you forgot two other things that happened since last we did a podcast. Um, okay. You forgot the big fight between Tristan Thompson and Draymond Green. How could oh, yeah. you possibly forget about that, Joe? Right, right. Where Tristan, <laughs> uh, you know, took Draymond's head off his shoulders and used it. <laughs> Unbelievable. I love how people are exaggerating the details of that so significantly. Right. Um, I- and the other thing that you forgot is LeBron spoke. LeBron spoke for the first time since becoming a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, I, I mean, you were there. I wasn't. I was uh, actually vacationing near his home. Uh, yep. Uh, but I just I don't really feel like he said much. No, he didn't. Um, I, in fact, the the question that that matters, I think, uh, which is 
you know, why did he leave Cleveland? Um, I, I really just don't think was fully answered. I, I, I right. think we all know, and you and I have said this in this podcast before, um, he wanted to be a Laker. He thinks it's cool to be a Laker. Correct. Yep. And, and I do think he touched on that. Part. Yes. Yes. Um, but hey, man, uh, you know, he said over and over and over again that he would not do this, and he did it. And like, that's kind of the only thing that I feel he owes Cleveland is just is just some explanation as to what changed. Right. So the hard thing was at that event with his school opening to take people kind of behind the scenes and, and talk about like yeah. why not as much was touched on as probably a lot of people would have wanted. Um, so he did a sit down interview with Rachel Nichols, um, during a time where there was a parade going on outside, like kind of in the courtyard. So the school, um, they had their big events, um, and it it started really just after three o'clock with some of the people speaking about what the school was all about. And then they had a parade on the grounds where they introduced like all the sponsors and people from St. Vincent, St. Mary. And all that sort of thing. And while that was going on, he had a sit down with ESPN's Rachel Nichols and he had a sit down inside with CNN too, I believe, to talk about Donald Trump and and sports and politics and things like that. Um, And then he came out, he came outside onto the stage um, probably a little bit after four o'clock maybe maybe a little bit before four thirty, and he gave his spiel about thanking everybody and that's where he said joe um i may be in los angeles but akron is always home and it's always going to be home for me and then we were brought inside into one of the rooms inside the school and the problem is all of the media that were there to talk to lebron we were all brought in the same room And it was interesting because he spoke for about 12 minutes. I think they gave us 12 minutes before they cut it off. And the problem was you had people there that wanted to get their stories about the school itself and why he opened the school and the details about the school because those were the stories that a segment of people were working on, right? But then you had a segment of people from Los Angeles that were there from Los Angeles because it was the first time LeBron was actually talking about joining the Lakers and they wanted Lakers questions answered. And then you had some people from Cleveland, the reporters from Cleveland that were trying to get the Cleveland side of the story. So it was really, really difficult. And we only had 12 minutes with LeBron and you had three different angles that different segments of the, the reporting base were trying to cover. So it just, it, it wasn't nearly enough time to get into the meat of, of everything that you wanted to get into with LeBron. Well, um, I mean, you know, as I, I've said to some other people, I, <laughs> you know, I wasn't there, so I'm, I'm not about to say, uh, you know, anything uh, it, it, as far as, what was asked and what wasn't because hell I, I didn't go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, but I just, you know, and and I think I was saying this to somebody that I want to figure, I want to be careful the way I say this because the school is such an incredible, uh, unimpeachable venture. Right. Um, and it's just, it's just a great thing. And, and it has the, the potential to really impact some lives in a really positive way. The yep. potential 
there for that. So in the setting of this, this school, um, I could see going to that press conference and getting in there and having the kids look at you and the, 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 the principal, the, you know, the, the staff for the first time and feeling uncomfortable, uh, you know, holding LeBron's feet to the fire on silly basketball stuff. Um, I, I could see that being a case and, you know, the fact that that this was his first time talking at all, um, I just don't think it was a coincidence. Uh, yeah. And so now you know LeBron is—he's actually still around. Um, he's actually you know in Akron as we speak, but mm-hmm. uh, you know he's going to be jetting off to LA, gone from the Cavs uh, for good and. You know, he didn't have to really get into that. Now, at some point, he's still going to. Right, absolutely. Um, he's still going to get into it. I hope it's with me, uh, but it could be with some, you know, any one of the national reporters who will be heading out to L.A. or whatever. At some point, this is going to happen. But he will be, it will be in a setting probably of his choosing, um, and he won't have other stuff on his mind. So, you know, um, he gave the city four incredible years, uh, 11 really, um, but the last four were just were just fantastic. Um, got a championship. No one's done that here since 1964. Um, played all 80, played all 104 last yeah. year. So the only thing that he owes Cleveland is an explanation as to what happened. Um, and at some point, I think I think we'll get that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so now that LeBron is gone, the Cavs have decided that they're going to make Kevin the face of the franchise. As you mentioned, he gets a new contract extension. Um, Kobe Altman was talking about how excited he is to have Kevin because Kevin's excited to be here and Kevin wants to be a part of this thing. Um, but Dan Gilbert made a comment to David Aldridge from TNT. Did you see this? I'm sorry. What about David Aldridge? David Aldridge from TNT, um, he is at the NABJ. Yeah. So he spoke briefly with Dan Gilbert. He tweeted this uh, two days ago, David Aldridge did. He he spoke briefly with Cavs Dan after his fireside chat with Donnie Jones at NABJ about the continued development of Detroit. And then David Aldridge tweeted, uh, Dan said the extension of Kevin Love shows that the Cavs are, quote, open for business after LeBron's departure. What does that mean? I have no idea. I have no idea what that, could, what that means. I was um, confused by that when I saw it. I don't know if that's a case of I, – I, I will assume that that is a case of, of David quoting uh, Dan directly yes. without, like, really kind of providing the, the proper context for what – what that means. Um, but, but what I, what I, I think what we can do, like piecing together just everything that Kobe has said, um, and, and kind of the way the Cavs have behaved this off season is just that they, um, they, they, that, you know, that they're seeking to, uh, make moves they think that can keep them competitive. Yes. Right. Uh, that's what that means. They're open for business. Okay. Uh, the doors are still open. They're not closing down because yeah, of the yeah, they're not, That's it, exactly. And um, 
you know, I, I think that I think that the Cavs have have handled LeBron's departure um, fantastically. Uh, the, since, you know, just in terms of what they've said, how they've re- how they've acted, um, you know, all the comments coming from various members of the organization have been spot on. Um, there, I think that there is uh, a desire in that building to um, to to be optimistic and to say things like this. And so, um, you know, Dan, who's been obviously markedly different um, than he was the first time LeBron left. This is kind of the first thing that he said any, anywhere along those lines of, you know, we're still alive. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, and it, it's a good, I mean, it's anytime you lose a player like LeBron, um, that's a bad summer. So, so signing Kevin, that was a nice day for that, for this team. And um, I think it's something that, that they should celebrate. And so, yeah. you know, good for them. And um, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. And I think no matter which way you look at it, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic, whether you believe that the Cavs are going to get a playoff spot or you think there's still a chance of the Cavs trading Kevin Love, like this to me is the definition of protecting an asset that you have. This is an all-star player. Every team around the NBA is looking for an all-star. You already have one. He wants to be in Cleveland. So protect that guy. And I think, I'm not trying to be cynical or anything like this, but by giving him this new contract extension, I think it boosts his value in a potential trade if the Cavs decide that they're going to have to eventually go that direction. Because now it's not somebody trading for somebody who's going to be a free agent at the end of this year or somebody trading for somebody at the trade deadline and just getting him for three months. I'm not saying the Cavs are thinking we're going to trade Kevin Love. It's clear that they want to fight for a playoff spot. It's clear that they want Kevin to be a big part of this. It's clear that they believe in Kevin, the player, and the person. But if it doesn't work out the way that they want it to work out, they have, I think, boosted his value um, because of this particular contract and he no longer becomes a rental for a team at the trade deadline. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think that you're saying a lot of the right things here. Um, I, I maybe just have the slightest difference uh, of opinion on this, but, but okay. it's, it's slight. It's slight. I mean, when you, <laughs> when you say protecting the asset, I think that is direct. I think that is correct. 100%. Um, the way I would say it is is uh, they have made it now so they do not have to trade him. Right. Um, I agree. Whereas you're kind of saying – or the, what you were saying was um, it makes it – it'll make it easier for them to trade him if they don't lose or if they don't win the way they want. Now they don't have to trade him if they don't have a great start. Um they don't have to because yeah, they're not I know what you, yeah. right. Um, whereas if if they had gone into this year w- without get, getting an extension on Kevin, um, and they didn't start out gangbusters and and look like they were going to be competitive, they would have to trade him. They, yeah. The one thing they couldn't have done was miss the playoffs and lose Kevin for nothing. Right. Um, so now you know, for whatever reason, if somebody gets hurt or just circumstances that we haven't seen and they end up falling short, um, they, they're still getting Kevin back. 
if you know they're guaranteed to get him back, so they don't have to trade him if the if the offers stink. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, kind of what you're saying, because there's uh, he's got years on his deal that he's not a rental, so the offers for him, if they come in, um, will be better. Uh, or, or, or certainly, the, the Cavs would would only act on an offer that that is is too good to pass up. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've talked to a couple of people around the league uh, that that really like this move for for all those reasons, um, and you know, believe that the Cavs uh, have a chance at that seventh or, or eighth seed, which would be an incredible story. Um, yes. You know, signing Kevin doesn't mean that 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 is any more or less likely. Uh, it's much more about. Um, you know, the other pieces that they've already acquired or may still get uh, that's really going to make or break this thing. But, but yeah, I just think they're in a much better position now than they were a month ago. I think the other thing to this, Joe, is that you're now, you know, Colin Sexton is one of the most important players in the franchise moving forward. You know, he was the Brooklyn pick. He was the centerpiece of the Kyrie Irving deal. He's somebody that it seems like the Cavs are very, very excited about. So now you have this piece that you think is going to be part of this core for the next however long. Um, And you're bringing him up in an environment where you're fighting for winning, right? When Kyrie Irving was brought here, the Cavs were trying to lose. That was their stated goal. They were doing everything that they could to lose and get a high draft pick. And I think that was a really, really tough environment for somebody like Kyrie or Tristan Thompson even. And now with Colin Sexton and having Kevin Love here and fighting for this playoff spot, it's going to be more competitive. It's going to be about winning. You're not going to have that bad culture that you could have when you try and lose at all costs. And I think the other thing is you don't put as much on the shoulders of Colin Sexton because you have Kevin Love. You have him to be the face. You have him to answer the questions. You have him to be the center of the offense. And I just think that's very, very helpful for a guy like Colin Sexton, who's walking into this kind of situation, to not have to walk into a situation where it's about losing, where it's about the future, and where it's about like everything in his hands. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they, you know, again, I mean, when you talked about protecting an asset, you were talking about Kevin, but you're protecting a second asset here with, with Sexton and, and you're also protecting him by keeping George Hill around, mm-hmm. which is smart. And, and the other thing, I mean, what this, the Cavs fortunes really uh, are going to hinge upon all these, like what we thought at the time were decent role players that were acquired at the deadline um, and, and how they, how they perform together with the year together and without the pressure of LeBron. Mm-hmm. They didn't do well uh, with LeBron in the pressure cooker of a playoff race and a finals chase and, and in a short amount of time that they, that they had together before all that took place. So that didn't really work out. They still made the finals anyway. Yep. Uh, but, but, can George Hill be the player that he was two years ago? Rodney Hood, whenever he shows back up, can he be the player he was two years ago? How good is Colin Sexton going to be? Can Kevin stay healthy? Um, you know, he's an all-star. That's really good. Um, 
and then you know I, I think Jetty Osman Osman however however you want to say it uh, he's I think he's really going to surprise some people he looked really good at summer league um, I, I think he's going to be fun so 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 there's kind of where it is like how good can some of those guys who, who kind of failed last summer last last year like how much better can they be um, is is the first thing and then you know is is Kevin can Kevin remain an all-star when he's the focal point yep and that's what I was going to ask you what do you think are realistic expectations for Kevin in this role um surrounded by this group without LeBron without Kyrie Irving without some of the other guys so like he he's mostly failed or struggled um in the rare instances where he was playing and LeBron was not, but there's so much that went into that in, in so far as the Cavs were entirely set up. Everything they had as an offense was supposed to be through LeBron. So on yep. the nights when he hasn't played over the last four years, the Cavs just kind of looked at each other like, what are we supposed to do? Um, so it's kind of hard to, to really answer that question right now because we need to see how Ty draws all this up. Right. Um, okay. So, so I think, I think that's part of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that Kevin Kevin has a chance. I mean, Kevin is still going to be in a position where um, either a big is going to have to go out there with him on the perimeter, uh, or if they want, if if that's not what the opponent wants, then they're going to have a smaller guy on him in the post. So that part is still there. Now, what he doesn't have is a twenty-eight point per game behemoth monster going down the the middle of the lane dunking on people when Kevin's standing on the, on the perimeter. So that's kind of where uh, Jetty and, and Rodney come in. How, how useful can they be as, as the slasher in this offense? But um, I, I think, you know, I, I think that there's, there's no reason to suspect that Kevin shouldn't, shouldn't be a, a double, double guy. And then what is the role for Channing Fry? Yeah, I, I don't see a huge role for him right, right now. Right, because they have a lot of bigs on this roster. They have five, just like they did last year. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, um, I mean, he, he's, he's the locker room guy for sure. Uh, you know, they needed that, and they've got him for that. Um, he can still he can still be a spot up shooter. He can give them some size. And and when they went to him last year, he played well in that role. Uh, I think that the the question is going to become how much do they want to play Zizic? Um, and like is 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 it more about developing him, or is it going to be more about you know the the minutes that that Channing can give them? I mean, Channing is I think he's thirty five now. Um, something like that. He's, he's, he's up there. And so, you know, he's not somebody who's looking for 15 or 20 minutes a night, but I, I don't, I don't think his role is a, is a huge one. Um, I think you're right about that. And I, I think that makes sense. But, um, I think if somebody had to sum up like what's Channing's, like what's the thing that he's going to bring to this team that's the best for them. I think it's the fact that he's a champion and he's very, very important behind the scenes. I remember, was it Kevin Love or Richard Jefferson that said um, a couple of years ago when the Cavs acquired Channing at the deadline, they became an actual team. They went from um, a locker room full of a bunch of talent 
and that's when they became a team. I don't remember who it was that said that, but I think that kind of guy is going to be important for, for this group going through the next, the next stage after LeBron James. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't remember who said that either, but it was, it was very clear. I mean, things were, um, you know, the, there weren't a lot of smiles around in the locker room right. in 2016 when, when Channing arrived. And he just kind of taught everyone, A, to not take themselves so seriously, and B, he really did. Uh, he and, and Richard kind of paved the way for everyone to kind of get along and, and hang out together. And um, trading Richard, which they felt they had to do last year, was the start of, of the, the, um, the, the deterioration of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, they neutralized Channing and then they traded Channing and, and they just didn't have any locker room guys left. Um, you know, Calderon, uh, who was a, I mean, certainly serviceable, uh, great, great job in, in the role that he played last year, but he was never going to be the locker room guy mm-hmm. that Richard and, and Channing are or were. Um, so the other move that they made was David Nawaba. Um They've at least agreed to terms with David Nawaba. Yeah, let me talk a little bit about this. Um, yeah. This is fascinating to me because you have a, a case where it's out there um, and, and basically sources on both sides are confirming that there is an agreement for him to come play here. Okay. They don't have a deal on the money or the, uh. or the years. How about <laughs> That's incredible to me. Okay. Um, but what happened in this case um, is basically the other suitors that he had had, had deadlines um, to, to get something done with him, and, and the deadlines were coming uh, this week, um, and, you know, it, time was basically up for them, and so he informed those teams that he was going to be with the Cavs. Um, so that's why the news is out. Uh, even though the deal isn't done yet. And, you know, you're looking at um, the Cavs have uh, money to spend on him. Um, the question is how much should they spend on him now and for how many years because there basically are no other suitors at this point. Um, huh. There were, but but they're gone. I, I mean, he's coming to the Cavs. So how much of of the full mid-level do you give him? Um, or do you spend the whole biannual? on him, right. which would probably be closer given that he's, this is only his second full year in the league. And, 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 uh, I mean, his, his statistics are modest. I mean, I think he's got upside, but I, I mean, I don't know that you give him the whole boat there. So, um, so it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to, to get done. Um, you know, I was talking to people Wednesday, when the news was out and then again Thursday and they didn't expect that it was going to be done in, in that time frame. We're doing this podcast on Friday, so it could be any time, but um, just interesting that, that uh, I don't think you see this every day that, that um, agreements are announced when there actually aren't any. Yeah. Does it mean anything from the standpoint of J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver and their future with the team? Well, no, because I think both players were um, available to be traded anyway. Yeah. Um, the, the thing with Kyle Korver, and I think they're being really smart with him about this, is um, they will trade him 
so long as they get a first round pick that they do not currently have um, back. Mm. Uh, and and the Sixers wanted to trade um, Jared Bayless straight up for quarter, which just makes absolutely no sense for the Cavs to do that right now. They can hold out with Kyle as long as they need to to get what they want, which again is yep. to get a pick in addition to whatever player anybody wants to throw uh, at the Cavs in, in that regard. So um, if not, then, you know, the Cavs are trying to win and Kyle's a veteran and he's a pro and now the ball's not stopping with LeBron. Um, so you can use Kyle much more in the role that, that he filled his whole career before he came here. You can run him off pin downs way more and, and, and all the other things that, that he used to do. Um, so that's good. And then I, I think with Jr. Um, you know, I, I haven't talked to Ty about this yet, um, but it, so, so this is more like we're kind of, we're kind of guessing here, educated guessing, but the, the roster was already taking shape to where you wondered how much play Jr. was going to get because mm-hmm. you could see a scenario where either George Hill and Colin Sexton start together or you could see a scenario where Sexton, Hood, and Jetty start together. Or you could see a scenario where Hill, uh, Jetty, and and um, and Hood start together. So, so like those three, like out of those four players, you could see three of them starting, and none of them are named Jr. Mm-hmm. And then on the second unit, you've got Clarkson, you've got Corver, you've got Tristan. Uh, you know, I'm assuming Nance starts and, and you've got Channing, uh, or, or Zizic. Uh So, um, yeah. So then like Jr is in there somewhere. I mean, um, if, if he gets back to being the player he was a couple years ago, then yeah, you can start talking about him moving, uh, farther up the depth chart, but we all know, you know, he's coming off the two worst years of his career. Um, and so he's got a lot to prove. So uh, if, you know, the Cavs, of course, would be open to trading him if they could. Um, they have not been able to so far. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what um, what role he has coming into camp. Yeah, and I never like to go overboard on small signings like David Nawaba or things like that, Joe. But, but I think um, this shows kind of a shift for the Cavs in a way where they said all year last year for anybody that would listen, that they just weren't good enough at the point of attack on defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that was before they got George Hill, obviously. And that was saying our point guard can't defend his own guy and our shooting guard cannot defend his own guy. That's what they were talking about, point of attack on the perimeter. Yeah. And if you look at it, they bring in Colin Sexton, and who knows how good of a defender he's going to be. But he's really, really tough, and he's really, really competitive. And he is going to get into guys. And I know it was just summer league, but you have the video of him trying to guard Josh Hart and getting down in that defensive stance and bringing that rugged toughness. And then David Nawaba is known for being a feisty defender out on the perimeter. So it's clear that there was one thing that they absolutely saw that they needed to fix. Um, And I don't know that it's fixed completely, but at least you have guys that have been brought here that can do it at a different level than what they had previously. And I think that's good. Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. Um, 
And that, I mean, you know, it, there was a time not too long ago where the Cavs talked about JR as their best on-ball defender. Exactly. Right. And statistically, he was just awful. Awful. Last year. And I, and I hate to say that. I mean, JR has already taken so much for what happened in game one. And, you know, I'm sure he's going to hear it on the road every at every road game uh, because of that. And, and he's been, for the most part, um, he, you know, he, he's been pretty good to Cleveland and, and, and given quite a bit of effort. So I, I hate that for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the fact is they were awful on defense last year and specifically at the point of attack. Um, and Nwaba, he's 25, he's six, four, he's big. He really, they think he can play all three, you know, two, three and four in spots. Um, and, and he, he should be a tougher defender. All right, before we get into the questions that we've gotten on Twitter, uh, first, a message here. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, and rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table, and they are forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals. Donate today by visiting harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. All right, welcome back. It's the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you on a Friday. That's when we're recording this. Um, You ready for questions, buddy? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Um, James says, any verification or updates to Zach Lowe saying on his podcast that Houston has been um, inquiring about a potential trade for J.R. Smith? That isn't exactly what he said. He said, kick the tires. Kick the I mean, tires, yes. Right, and, and so that is that, that can come from almost anywhere. That can be very, very casual conversation from a GM or assistant GM. Um, that's a lot different than than anything so far as like real um, discussion or consideration for that. Um, You know, Zach laid out, I think probably younger, more viable options for the Rockets to begin with. Right. um, In in what he was talking about. And then, you know, there's the issue of, of salary. Now, you know, the Rockets could create a trade exception to cover the uh, most of the difference. Um, So, you know, if, if the, if the Cavs and Rockets really wanted to work this out, where they took Ryan Anderson, um, they could do it. But mm-hmm. I just don't I, I don't think that they're um, serious with that yet. And, again, uh, you know, the, the thing will be the Cavs will want a first-round pick for any deal that involves Corver. And I mentioned Corver because if you traded JR and Corver to the Rockets um, for Anderson, the salaries work. Right. Uh, but, you know, the Cavs are probably going to get a better first-round pick than that than whatever they would get from the Rockets. So um, I just – I don't think that that is uh, on the front burner right now. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I was looking at the, the Rockets' salary cap situation to try and see what the match would be between the Cavs and the Rockets. And obviously you can get a third team involved, you can get a fourth team involved, and it can get really, really complicated from that. But, I mean, the Rockets <laughs> – Chris Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella – Eric Gordon, those are the guys basically under contract with the exception of P.J. Tucker, who they're not getting rid of, Ryan Anderson. So it's just really, really difficult to see a match between those two teams in particular. And I think you laid that out pretty well. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. All right, uh, Jordan, Jordan Miller, 81 on Twitter says, any chance that Richard Jefferson comes back to Cleveland as a player or maybe even a media personality? Well, um, I, I think it would be – okay, first of all, Richard has definitely has a media career in front yes, of him. Yes, without a doubt. I, I'm not sure that Fox Sports Ohio is looking to add talent right now. Um, you know, they have – they have Fred and they have AC and of course they have Allie. Um, so I do, and then on the pregame, postgame they have uh, they have Phelps and um, Campy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that they need another person there. Um, I I don't get the sense that Richard wants to play more, but he, I mean for for the money, uh, you know, I think he would consider coming back here. Um, the Cavs do have two roster spots available right now. Um, and you know, why not, uh, pair, pair him with, uh, with Channing, um, kind of lead this team. Uh, I mean, do they need to spend the money in luxury tax? Like, cause right now they're under it. Um, I don't know that they would spend that kind of money for, 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 for what they would get in return. Um, but Richard has said, you know, privately that, yeah, yeah, if the, if the Cavs wanted me to come back, yeah, I'd think about it. So, yeah, um, I don't think I would rule that out. Um, I just I don't think I would rule it out. Yeah, I mean, heck, um, Channing Fry, Kevin Love, and Richard Jefferson, they call themselves the triangle. And there's one piece missing to complete the triangle. So um, I think it would be an interesting move. And I think any kind of guy like that that the Cavs can add to this group I think that's beneficial and maybe the guy's not going to make a huge difference on the court and that's okay because I think you define value and guys bring value in different kind of ways. And I think we have seen in the past the value of Richard Jefferson behind the scenes, even though he may not make as much of a difference on the court as, as what he did back in 2016 when the Cavs won the championship. Yeah. I just, uh, he's going to be really good um, as a media guy. And I think, well, I think probably what he's working on is what what is the best opportunity available for him in that field. Yes. Um, and if now's the time, I think he strikes. Um, but then if it isn't, you know, why not go back and make a couple million dollars more? Yep. Philip tweets, he says, knowing the amount of cap space being cleared by other teams for next summer, who can the Cavs realistically hope to sign? Boy, that's a oh, long I mean- way away. Yeah, I mean Kyrie, Clay Thompson, <laughs> Jimmy I, Butler. Yeah, I mean the possibilities are endless. <laughs> endless. It does um, highlight a bigger point. Um, it's very, very difficult for the Cavs to lure big-time free agents to Cleveland, no matter how much money they have. Just to mess around, and I, just kind of pulling the the veil back here a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at about 12.08 uh, on July 1st, um, 12.08 a.m., uh, you know, I had just um, put out there that, that, that uh, LeBron and, and Rich were going to talk to the Cavs that night. And so just to be funny, um, I texted Jeff Wexler, Kyrie's agent, <laughs> to say, hey um, – if LeBron leaves like we think he's going to, uh, would Kyrie consider coming back next year? Um, you're not going to believe this, but the text went unanswered. 
Wow, crazy. How about that? How about that? <laughs> there you have it. That's so awesome that you – oh, I love you for doing that. That's amazing. <laughs> so. uh, all right, um, let's see. Moving on. Uh, Tyler says, what do you think the Larry Nance Jr. extension will look like if it gets done? Yeah, uh, boy. I mean, we should chew on that. Um, well, you know, uh, he's 25. I mean, I think that four, I think four years uh, on top of um, next year uh, would be good. So, so that's five more years here that keeps him until he's 30. Uh-huh. Um, maybe 31, depending on how all that works out. Um, so that, that's, that's what I, that's what I think it would be. Don't you, I mean, money wise, I'm just not sure. Um, you know, right. I just talking about what that would look like. Um, I don't think he's Draymond Tristan numbers. I don't think. Oh, you know? he can't be. So that's like, that's the 14 to 18 million a year range. Right. I don't think it's that, um, you know, what about a what about a four year forty million dollars? Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Four forty or four forty four, similar to what they gave him on Shumpert. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Yeah, because I think the thing that they have to worry about going into the future, Joe, is making sure like your highest paid players are some of your most important players. I know that seems like hey, that's logical. That's the way that it should be done. But, I mean, Tristan Thompson this past year was, what, their third highest paid player or fourth highest paid player? Right. Like he didn't carry that kind of significance or importance to the Cavs. And I think you really have to worry about that in today's NBA of making sure that you don't um, put yourself in that kind of position. Like, if you look at the Golden State Warriors, their highest paid players are their most important players. Um, and the Cavs had a couple, J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson, at the top of their salary cap structure that, that just didn't bring that kind of value. No, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. So, so, so I think 440, 444 is probably about right for Larry Nance Jr. and the things that he brings to the table. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, all right, uh, let's see. I'm trying to go through some of these. Some of them we already talked about. We already answered on our own. Um, okay. Last one update on Rodney hood. Well, um, you know, I've seen some tweets out there that, that, uh, progress has stalled, which seems obvious. Um, just given that we're into August and, uh, and and he hasn't signed. Um, I think, uh, some of that was problematic for, um, for, for Rodney was, um, the, the signing in Sacramento of artists. Yep. Um, that was kind of like the last door that they closed there for, for him. And, and so now he's kind of at the, at the Cavs, Cavs whim. Um, I, you know, the Cavs are probably looking at about three years for him. And, and I would say anything in the, in the five to $8 million range um, per year is, is, is probably what they're thinking. Um, Rodney knows at, probably heading into last season that he was looking at this season on a, um, you know, 10 plus a year, certainly. And, and so he's trying to get back as close to that as he can. Um, he could place a bet on himself um, and take the one year $3.4 million qualifying offer. If he did that, the Cavs would still be able to pay him 
more than anybody else uh, when he became a free agent the following year. Um, but there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts there. Uh, and, and um, you know, the, the Cavs, I mean, insist that he's going to be a part of, of their plans moving forward. So something will get worked out here. There, there's plenty of time. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing. Um, players sometimes don't recognize this. We've talked about this on the podcast already, how tough it can be in restricted free agency and the realities that some of these players don't accept or don't want to accept. And I think it's the same thing for fans. Like, there has to be a team out there that is going to give Rodney Hood, like, go to that team, ask that team to give you a contract to then put the pressure back on the Cavs. But there's just... As you said, Joe, there's just not that lifeline out there, that team out there that has the salary cap space to offer Rodney Hood the kind of contract that he probably wants that then the Cavs would go and turn around and match. Um, So he hasn't gotten that contract from that other team out there, and there aren't those options out there anymore. So um, the Cavs, I think, played this the best way that they could. I think they played it right with Rodney and his value. Yeah, you know, I just, as we kind of sign off here, um, before I I go away again. Again, look at you, just going all over the country. I need it. Uh, (laughs) I can tell you that. Um, (laughs) And you deserve it. There's no doubt about that after four years of this. Well, I just think, like, if you can't blame, if, if if you choose not to blame the Cavs front office for LeBron's departure, which... That's a whole discussion. Okay. But if you if you choose to say, look, LeBron was leaving. He wanted to go join the Lakers. He's wanted to do that for a long time. And then you just look at what they've done this offseason. Um, I think they've done okay. Agreed. I think they have. I think that signing Kevin was good. I think you're right the way they played it with Rodney Hood. They're in a good spot there. Um, I like Colin Sexton. That seems like the right draft pick. Uh, you know, obviously a long way to go on that, but, but, um, he certainly is, has started well. Um, Nwaba is good. Uh, I, I really like that signing and, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, um, I think we'll talk again before anything happens on these things, but the Cavs do have the trade or the, the salary cap exceptions we discussed. Um, they have a p- couple couple potential trade pieces with Corver and JR, and then they have a trade exception, um, $5.8 million uh, that was created in the Kyrie deal. That expires August 22nd, and it'll be interesting to see if they use that. Um, so, you know, look forward to those things, and, and then everybody resting and uh, getting ready for camp. And I think you laid it out well. I think the next thing that the Cavs have to focus on, if they can, Uh, sometime before the end of this year, Joe, is getting that first-round pick. Um, Because if their pick is going to go to the Atlanta Hawks, like this is a team in the stage that they are with this rebuild in the post-LeBron era, they're going to need as many draft picks and young players on on team-friendly contracts as possible to to rebuild this the right way. Um, And I think they probably can eventually get a first-round pick for Kyle Korver because I think there's – absolutely going to be a team or multiple teams out there that are looking for that kind of shooter um, to help them get to the next level. I mean, look at Philadelphia, Philadelphia, they didn't have to trade for these guys, but they went out, they brought in Ersan Ilyasova um, and Marco Bellinelli 
um, because they needed so much shooting. Uh, so those kinds of guys, I think, are always going to have immense value around the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, enjoy uh, the remainder of your time off that you have coming in the near future, and I'm sure we'll talk again sometime soon thereafter for another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Looking forward to it.